you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 54. Isaiah, if you're American, Isaiah 54. I've, uh, this week, we weren't going to start a new series because I would have preached this week, then it's uh, Dave and Kathy next week. We've got one week, and then it's Martin Smith. We've got Sean Foyt, who's an incredible worship leader. He's part of the Bethel team. He just happened to be coming through Dubai at that same time. So it seems like there's lots happening, but just whatever happens in the next two weeks, get to Martin Smith, okay? Because that is going to be amazing, and there's going to be the Surge Conference the next day, and that is for worshipers, but for anyone. I really encourage anyone who wants to sign up for that. It's going to be an incredible day of us learning. And uh, so I really, I felt like I was carrying this word, and I want to share some stuff that I feel God's placed on my heart for the future of City Lights. So today is a bit of a vision moment. Uh, it's good for us to, because to, we can kind of be very focused on the day-to-day. We've had incredible Alpha courses. Who's been joining those? If you want to raise your hand. Amazing, great discussions. Uh, we've had some great discussions that we, Sal and I lead uh, both nights at a different table. And just amazing to hear what God is doing in people's lives and just the testimonies of God saving people. It's just incredible. And, um, and so this Isaiah 54, how many of you know the Bible, especially when you look at the poetry books like Isaiah, Jeremiah, you look at, uh, uh, sorry, not the poetry, that's the prophetic books. You've got the poetry books of Psalms. It'll mean one thing to that person at that time, but also means something to a later generation. So you had, so for, for example, in Isaiah 54, this is a story in the top of my Bible. It says the eternal covenant of peace. You had Isaiah 53, which I encourage you to go read, which was Easter last week. Jesus was beaten for us, hung on the cross for us. A prophecy about Jesus 700 years before he came. And then it gets to Isaiah 54, and, it, and Isaiah is speaking to a people that are in exile. So they, Israel had uh, disobeyed God, and God, uh, he still loved them, but he was punishing them because he said, listen, if you follow my ways and you follow the way I do things, you're gonna, it's going to lead to life. But if you don't, I'm going to actually take you out of your country until you find a place of repentance. The Israelite people at this point that Isaiah is speaking to had found a place of repentance. So Isaiah is speaking to them and saying, listen... There's a time coming where God's going to restore everything from the past. Would someone mind switching that off? I feel like I'm being, or if you face it towards the crowd, that'll be great. I'm going to get pneumonia. What, is that right? Pneumonia. Stala said slow down. When I'm excited, I preach fast. Okay. So I really feel this is just a word that God has given me. So you've got the meaning that it means to the Israelite people. Isaiah 54, then it's also about the future people of God, which is us, and then there's a thing called the rhema word, which I believe God speaks all the time. He's written in his word, his, his final word to this, this is God's word to us, but I believe God speaks through prophecy, he speaks through other people, he speaks in dreams, it never goes against his word, it'll always line up with his word. If God like kind of tells you to go and uh, kill someone in a dream, that you can safely say that's not God. Okay, so there's, go back to the Bible, you have to realize that there's safeguard in that. But I believe God has given us this word in this season. You're going to see as I read it. And I'm going to just set the picture and then we'll explain where we're going. It says in verse 1, sing. Can we all say sing or shout sing? Like we Sing. O barren, o barren one who did not bear, Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you have not been in labor. 
For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. So some of you who are reading that at the first time, you think, what the heck is in the Bible? I'll explain it just now, uh, or a little later. Uh, Number two, verse two, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the tent, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your sacks. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and, uh, and, and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. That's the ESV. I want to read it out of the, the message because I feel Eugene Peterson just paints the picture a little bit better. So if we could go to the message, Bruce, that would be awesome. Sing, barren woman who has never had a baby, fill the air with song. You have never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. Now that is a promise to the church. I believe that when Jesus said on Matthew 28, he says, you're going to make disciples of all nations, that, that as we plant churches, as we see people saved, as we have times of this worship, we extend God's kingdom on the earth. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. The story of Dubai is incredible. Um, a friend of mine, Mike Altringham, who planted Well of Life Church just down the road from us, he came here when there was a handful of churches. He had, and he met people that came here and they pioneered years before with those 10, 20, 30. And if you look at what is happening in Dubai, there's, incredible, there's an incredible move of God. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. If you look at churches across the city, nearly every church I know that I have a relationship with, from Gateway to Gatekeepers to City Hill to all of these churches that are incredible men and women that are leading incredible works of God, God is adding to them. And it's because we are here to resettle abandoned and desolate cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not coming up short. And I really feel like this is a, a prophetic message to us as a community. And uh, I'm going to start. There's a few words. So if you want to underline them in your Bible, take notes. But the first word is sing. And it's this, the commandment here is Isaiah's writing to Israel to say, listen, start singing because your redemption is coming. I'm freeing you from your exile and I'm bringing you back to the land. And he's saying, start to sing out in faith. And we have sung out in faith with City Lights when we first started. I remember Bruce and I were talking the other day. Bruce, if you don't know, does all the design and preachers and is just all-round champion. And we were talking two years, two, two and a half years ago. Our main focus every week was how are we going to set the church up at different venues? That's what we focused on. There was, because there was so much to do that is outside, and then God brought us to this place. So we, in that moment, and I, I've shared this before, but it used to be Ramsey or myself leading worship, and there was a kick drum, and there was no bass, and there was uh, no one that played piano. Bruce did like some background stuff on his guitar, and we did the best, and we sung out in faith to see what we're walking in right now. Last week, for those of you who don't know, and I know it's not about numbers, but it is about numbers because every single soul and person matters to Jesus, is that we had double meeting 
We, we were packed the first meeting, probably a little bit less than we have here today. And I was thinking, okay, the second meeting is going to be maybe half that. You know, I mean, my faith was, wasn't really high, clearly. Because the day before, I felt God speak to me and say, how many people do you want to come tomorrow? I'm like, I said, God, if it could be like 150 each meeting, I'll be so stoked. God goes, think higher, think bigger, think larger. So I was like, okay, cool. I went to, I was like, I'm going to stretch my faith. I'm going to go to 170. God says more. And clearly God's taking me on a journey of faith. And then I started to speak out and both Stahl and I felt separately that we'd have around 250 each meeting, which is basically what we had. And so God is, is faithful and he's doing something. So we were singing back then two, three years ago, looking into the future, saying, God, we want to be a, a church that impacts the city and the nations of the world. We want to be the ones that resettle in desolate cities and desolate places and bring the goodness and, and the good news of Jesus Christ to that place. And some of you are sitting in this room today knowing that that is what has happened. You, you came in, I remember a, a lady sharing a testimony. She had an amazing encounter with God. Two days later, someone told her about City Light. She came to church. She's like, I found what I've been looking for. I found Jesus. And my prayer always is that we are a people that sings about Jesus. That's why we prioritize worship time. That's why we're having Martin Smith, who in many ways is a, is a father of the modern worship movement. And we're having him, and it's, guys, this is, this is an incredible opportunity. So I really encourage you to go, obviously, buy tickets, get involved, volunteer. That we, we prioritize worship because I believe that a new song brings us into a new season. And uh, God's been speaking to us about, so we begin to sing, we sing redeeming songs. I love what it says in the message. It says, fill the air with song. And if you, and for me, this is a message to us as a church, but in your individual lives, some of you I know are going through stuff where you're in a transition. Start to sing out in faith before you see it. Start to speak it into being. I remember driving around Al-Quz and just saying, God, I know that you've called us to plant a church here. I know that you're going to give us a warehouse. And if I'm honest, I didn't have full confidence in my heart. So I was just like speaking it out in faith. As Stahl and I began to speak about the things we want to walk into, you start to see its shape and happen. I want to encourage you to sing out. Sing out the promises, the things that God has not fulfilled in your heart yet. Sing it out. It says, sing, O barren woman, because God, what God's going to do is a miracle. He's going to give you more children than the, than the ladies who already have babies, which means there's going to be fruitfulness. I love Psalm 40 verse 3. It says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in Him. And that is, that is our cry in our heart, that as we begin to say, Lord Jesus, we know that you haven't placed us yet to make a nice little community so we can scratch each other's backs and, and meet on a Friday. We're actually here as nation changes. So where God has placed you, uh, he's given you a, a, a group of people that you have influence over, whether you're serving them or you're in charge or you're the boss and they're almost serving you in, in a way, you have influence over them. Begin to sing the promises of God over them. And I love Bob Dylan. Who loves Bob Dylan? Who knows who Bob Dylan is? Okay, there's like a handful. Who was, okay, let's say who was born in the 50s or 60s? Ava, you know. Ava was at Woodstock. He was the guy selling the green stuff. Um, but uh, Bob Dylan wrote a song. And the folk movement, and it was an incredible time in America where the folk movement and the civil rights movement worked together. And they started to sing songs about change. 
They started to see a future and speak out a future that they were not living in the reality of. And he said this. He says, there's a battle outside and it's raging. Raging. It'll soon shake your windows and rattle your walls for the times they are changing. And something started to happen. Is that the, the whole civil rights movement got a massive movement across the states. Things began to change. I know across the world that that still needs to change a whole lot. But there was a movement in the 50s and 60s that began to see the future. And they used to sing songs about the future of what, what they wanted to see. Same in South Africa. There was a, you all know Tracy Chapman? Talking about a revolution. Anyway, revolution. I'm not going to carry on because I went in the wrong key and it just was going to go way too high. Um, she started singing songs about revolution, and she, they had a free Mandela concert in the UK and in the States, and she began to sing these songs, and th- that song c- carried momentum that eventually, there was a lot of other things, there was tons of people praying, but obviously Mandela was freed, South Africa was liberated, it's, uh, there's been freedom from that place, and you just think, it started with songs. It started with people to say, listen, there's a better future that we can walk into, and, I, and honestly, that's what started to happen with us at City Lights. Uh, my heart and my longing is that we reach as many people for Jesus as we can. We've got a winter period. Some of you are here for two, three years. Uh, some of you intended to be here for two, three years, but you've been here 20. However long God has placed you here, begin to sing freedom over people. The Alpha course has been amazing. We see people who don't know Jesus, and they're coming and they're being introduced to the King of the world. And we have this responsibility to begin to sing over us and over the people. The second word you can write down is enlarge. So this is where I'm coming with the announcement of what we want to do, and it's, it got fairly obvious. Last week we had double meetings, and in three weeks' time, we are going to go as a church into double meetings. And uh, that's going to be at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You're going to get emails about this. Stella said, don't go into the admin. And because she knows me because admin is not my strong suit. And I'll get it horribly wrong. But based, you have to know in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to go to double meetings. And that's going to create space. We want to make room. We want to make elbow room for our growing family. God is adding to us. And he's adding people and he's adding gifting and he's adding life and he's doing all these things. And if we're not making room, God's going to always just kind of cap us off at the end and there's going to be people sitting at the back which on the floor, which is always a good sign. But we've been about 90% full for a, over a year and it's about time that we start listening to Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, a friend of mine came in and he spoke to the leaders. And, I wanted, and uh, he's a really prophetic guy, carries a prophetic gift. Uh, for those who don't know what prophetic is, it's just really seeing what God is saying about a preferred future for us so we can start to walk into it. His name is Ash. He's part of Gatekeeper's Church. And he said this over us. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. And I feel this, the Lord is saying, enlarge the place of your tent, city lights. Stretch your tent curtains and dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. You expand to, the, expand to the right and to the left. And he says, I felt the Lord was saying there's going, there's going to be growth. There's going to be lots more people coming in. I feel the Lord is saying, get ready. I'm going to give you a bigger venue which we know we are aiming towards. But in the meanwhile, we are going to be making space for the people that God is adding to us. I don't know if you're having one or two services, but I feel like the Lord is saying you're going to have multiple services. And this was only a conversation that we started to have with elders. 
Some of you were, it's obviously, it was maybe incredibly obvious to some of you guys, but we started having conversations, praying about it. He comes and prophesies this over us. And I believe that prophecy, God speaks something of a future and it opens a door. And we've got this window of opportunity to allow God to come and move. And the reason I'm telling you is because you are the church. You are the ecclesia, the called out ones, the one that are carrying the hope of the world inside of you. And it's, and it's our responsibility to, to get people in. Those who don't know Jesus, if you're here this morning, Hopefully this is making sense to you, and you don't, if you don't know Jesus, this is making sense to you. But God loves people, and He wants to reach people, and He's desperate to reach people. Two Kings four. We, we don't have to turn there; you can just write it in your notes. But Two Kings four is an amazing story where Elisha, uh, during a time of a famine, there's just like there's just crazy stuff happening in, in Israel. And this, this lady, he comes to this lady's house and he, he walks up to it. Now Elisha was a prophet, did incredible works of God. He walks up to this lady's house and she was indebted to someone. He says, cool, I'm going to help you with your debt. Go grab as many jars as you can and start to fill it with the olive oil you have. And she starts to grab. And as she starts to fill out, this, this olive oil never ends. She fills another jar. She fills another jar. She tells her sons, go out and collect all the jars in the town. And only once they had all the jars did the olive oil stop flowing. And Elisha says, sell this oil, pay off your debts, and live off the rest. And God clearly spoke to me a couple of weeks ago about it, is that we need to put out jars for God to fill. We did the Alpha course. God filled it. We did double meeting on Friday. God filled it. We want to give space for God to be God into people's lives. And we need, to, we need to keep stepping out in faith, keep stepping out, going forward. I think God has never called a, a local church to stagnate. If you, if you take a quick reading of the book of Acts, it was always forward momentum. It was always opposition. So let me tell you, when we move forward, the enemy doesn't like it. There's a real enemy against us, but we keep moving forward. We don't hold back. We be generous. If, if, if it doesn't make sense, you do it anyway because God, we can trust God and His Word. I want to say just amazing testimony. We, we, went, we set out to do the Alpha course. Now, for those of you who don't know, that it costs quite a bit of money to cater for 160 plus people every week. Got great catering, but it's actually by far the cheapest we could find. And we just went out in faith, like even talking to Rom. Rom and I look at the finances together, talking to the rest of the elders, and they're like, cool, well, let's just go for it. God's going to provide. And I can tell you that God has provided where people have put the almost exact amount that we've needed for the time that has been deposited into our accounts, without them even knowing that we needed money. So God, He, he provides, where He leads, He provides. And he, and he gives provision to us so we can see people who don't know Jesus come to Him. That is the heartbeat of who we are. Number three, stretch out. I don't like being stretched. Everyone likes their comfort zone. And I, I sometimes find like even leading a church, you can get into a comfort zone. I'm like, oh, I'm in a good rhythm. I'm in a good space. Then God starts to do stuff in your life. You're like, actually, we need to start asking God for more. And what I've realized is this, is that God is not concerned about our comfort at all. We live in Dubai, an affluent city. A lot of you, if you sit on the, on the bracket of earning scale, a lot of you are earning way above what the rest of the world earns. I can tell you, God, if you allow God to, He'll stretch you out of your comfort zone and into your destiny. He always does that. But we have to allow God to do it. And Stalin and I were talking about it. It's amazing 
that I'm, I'm from South Africa, but we grew up with a really strong Christian culture. It's in our schools. I don't know, is it still in the schools in South Africa? Hilton, the guys? Kind of, yes and no. If you go to a Christian school, yes. Um, but if not, but um, we, we grew up doing the, the Lord's Prayer. There was, there was Bible studies in school. There was, we had to go to religious education twice a week. Uh, it was just, we, we grew up in a very Christianized nation. And I think the problem with that is that, great, God is doing some incredible stuff, but you can have a whole bunch of nominal Christians who who just like, okay, cool, I believe, like everyone else believes, but my life doesn't look like Jesus. And the the mission and the goal of God is to make us look like Jesus. So we have to, by, by putting disciplines into our life, by encountering Him, by having times with Him, we begin to look more like Jesus and follow after Him and and follow His ways and look like Him. That's what I've said. Jesus was committed to stretching out His disciples. In Matthew 10, 5, you can write it down. It says, these 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or into, into the town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely have you, you received, now freely give. Now, to this point, the disciples hadn't been with Jesus all that long. But Jesus says, cool, well, I've been with you for maybe a year and a half or so. I don't know the time scale. But he says, go out and, and, and stretch yourself. And my question to us is, what are you and I doing to stretch our faith muscles? It is a muscle that if you don't exercise, can become weak. Uh, we went on holiday for seven days, which was amazing. I had every intention to exercise every day. It didn't happen, okay? Don't judge me, Hanley. Because she loves exercising. But I was like, I walked past the gym a few times. And the way, I, the way I kind of rationalized the thing was, well, there's quite a few hills that we walked up and down to go to breakfast. I, you know, that's good enough. I don't really walk hills in Dubai. So it's kind of going to balance out. And what I've realized is I've come back and I'm feeling a little bit soft. And uh, I went for a, a run this past week. And it was, it was not fun. Like, do you know when you haven't run in a while and your body feels like itchy because the blood's like... Oh, it has, it's going to parts it hasn't been to in a while, you know? And uh, so I came back all itchy because I was running and maybe because it was super hot. But it's the same with faith. If we don't exercise our faith muscle, whether it's around finances, around, around uh, giving our lives to, to a local church, giving our lives to people, stretching our faith, praying for those who are sick, praying for those who need Jesus, uh, leading someone to Jesus. Tara, where are you? I think she's in kids' ministry. She has been leading people to, to, to Jesus on the streets. God's doing something incredible there. Go ask her about the stories. I think it's about four or five people so far. She's praying for the sick. I think that's she's stretching her faith. Those are awkward and uncomfortable moments. I can tell you that because I've done it many times in my life. But I feel God wants to maybe stir something of that in our hearts where we're stretching our faith to go out. There's an amazing moment where Jesus, where Jesus walks on the water. Peter goes up and he's like, I have courage. I'm going to ask Jesus that I, if I can walk on water too. He starts walking towards him. Obviously, we know the story. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he falls into the water. The thing Jesus says to him, he goes, you of little faith. As he falls in the water, picks him up, puts him back on the boat. Can you imagine the moment with Peter? He's just like, oh, guys, I've duffed it. He's got a little towel around him and he's like shaking in the boat. And, uh, and Jesus goes... And Jesus doesn't help him like console him. He just goes, you have little faith. 
And I think Jesus says that quite a few times to his disciples. He doesn't say it much out of the, the context of, of, his, of his 12 disciples, but he, he calls them out and he says, guys, don't you know that you are with me, the king of the universe? I've started to calm seas. I've fed the 5,000. I've done these incredible miracles at your hand, but yet you have forgotten maybe 10, 15 minutes later and you begin to sink into the water and he says, do you have a little faith? And Jesus calls him out. And sometimes I felt God speak to me like that. He says, Dan, do you not have faith? Even when I'm calling out what I feel God wants to do in the church, it's like God saying, wow, Dan, you need to raise your faith level. And I think like we're doing weights, the stronger and heavier you go, the, the heavier you can go next time. You, I don't know exactly how it works, but your muscle breaks down and then it builds other muscles. Is that right, Andy? Andy does, he knows stuff. Um, <laughs> And uh, God really had to teach me faith, even in, in this warehouse. And Rom will know, and I think it didn't re- at that stage, Rom was the only other elder. So I would, him and I would kind of carry stuff together. I, I went to have, I had such bad heart palpitations, I've shared this before, that I had to go for an M- MRI. I thought my heart was going to pop out of my chest. I thought, this is it. Let me write my will. You know, like Starla can have all 25 dirhams that I own. And... Um, Anyway, it was just, I let worry and I let panic get the better of me. And that can be so much of our lives. And I'm going to talk a little bit about fear now. But we, we, we walked into this warehouse and we, we paid the first installment, which basically almost emptied our bank account, not knowing if we're even going to get the approvals to get in here. So that would, I was like, Lord Jesus, you better come through for me, otherwise this church is over. And, uh, and history tells us that God did come through, and he was faithful, yet when it happened again, I still get that panic in my heart. It's because I've forgotten how God is faithful. There's an incredible scripture in 1 Samuel 7, 14. It says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He, um, he named it Ebenezer for, it says, Thus Far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and stopped invading Israel's territory. Remembering what God has done, they set up an altar. And uh, I don't know if that's, that was up there. That's fine. The amazing thing is that the enemy got defeated because they set up an altar of remembrance. And I think we need to remember when God was faithful to us in the past. And the enemy is the accuser of the brethren, us. He will do anything he can to make us doubt. And the enemy started as a liar, and he's the the prince of liars. He'll lie to you about your future. He'll lie to you about who you are. It's amazing. Jesus has this moment, gets filled with the Spirit, gets led out into the desert. The first thing the enemy attacks was his sonship. He says, if you are the Son of God. And I can tell you that God will want to attack attack your identity, attack the secure ground that you're on, because he knows the more you you step forward, the more ground you're taking and moving forward in the kingdom. We need to set up Ebenezer's in our lives. That if we we get to a point of panic, and you say, God, are you going to come through? But all you have to look back and say, God came through there, God came through there, God came through there, and he'll keep coming through for you. We need to set up Ebenezer's, if that's even the right way to say it, of faith. Number four, do not hold back. God spoke this to me the other day. He says, I've called you to run at this mountain. Now, God, as a leader of a local church, some of you may be leaders of local church at some point, you'll know that 
You take, when you're going through new seasons, you take stuff head on. And I had, I had a spiritual wa- warfare second to none while I was in Thailand. Starla can tell you. It was, it was not fun. But I, I, I thankfully bought my little mini tailor and I just worshipped. I worshipped through. And I felt like the enemy was going to come and try break down something in my heart. Because if I'm not ready to move the church forward, it's, we're just going to stagnate. And the enemy hates it as we begin to move forward. Do not hold back. I've called you to run at this mountain. Don't let men and the opinions of men lead you. Let the voice of God lead you. And it's amazing that, uh, have I got into fear yet? Okay, there we go. I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is not a time to hold back. As we move forward into what God has for us, don't hold back. You've got, if you're carrying giftings, if you're carrying something where you feel you can add to it, and everyone has, a, I believe that everyone in the local church has a place to serve and to give. But as we're going to double, we're going to need more kids' ministry teachers. If you've been toying with the idea, I can tell you right now, there's Jesus telling you to go and join the kids' ministry. It's not like, oh, I need to fast and pray about it. Sometimes people come to me like, yeah, I really need to pray about this thing. It's, and, and God is just saying, it's, it's obvious. Put your hand to the plow. Get involved, put your hand up, do what God has called you to do. Now is not the time to hold back. It says, number five, if you are taking points, strengthen your stakes. Get back to the reason why you got saved. That get back to that first love, get rooted and established in love. Uh, I honestly believe, and I'm a big pusher of disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, you can see that exercise discipline is taking a little bit of time, but it'll eventually catch up. Whether you feel like it or not, read your Bible every day. Whether you feel like it or not, pray. Take time. Listen to sermons. Keep yourself in Him. Because we can, and I've had often weeks where I've had to get to the end of the week and say, God, I repent, not because I've done anything wrong or sinned or anything like intentionally. I've just drifted. And it's, there's, that, there's that song that we sing, it's prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And it's just, we have this leaning to go towards our own roots and our own way. And, and as the further you go down that route, you realize you just, all of a sudden, you're so far from God and you need to get back to Him. Keep yourself rooted and established. Strengthen your stakes in Him. Number six, do not fear. When God calls us to do big things, it's going to have to scare you, otherwise it's not God. It, it, it just, that's the way it works. You can be excited about it, but honestly, every time we've moved into something new that God has for us as a community, it's been scary, doesn't make sense, can we afford it, is it going to happen, this, that, this, that. I have an incredible wife who just goes, let's just go for it. Never has she ever gone, you know, Dan, let's just, like, let's hold back, you know, like, that is... Anyone who, wants to, anyone who wants to hold back, that is not the heart of God. God's heart is that we move forward and we, we grow into bigger people. And I believe, just going back to that stretch thing, as we stretch ourselves, we become bigger people. We're able to handle more. We're able to love more. We're able to allow people into our lives and into our homes. So I want to say that if anyone wants to do anything, come and speak to us. Write down your name at uh, the info hub at the back. Say, I'll do anything because I believe God works in a willing heart. Number six, do not fear. I've said that already. So may, let's just turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. One of my, 
every scripture's favorite. I, I better stop saying that because uh, I'm like, I love this scripture. I'm like, says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And if you stop there, you think, well, God just wants to make me feel comfortable and, and sit down in green pastures. This is what happens. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff comfort me. And then it goes further. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God wants to show his goodness, grace, and power in, the, in, the, in front of the enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And some of you this morning need to go and say, surely goodness and mercy follows me. And so often we can have that negative thought that comes straight into our heart where God says, what is following you at the moment? Goodness and mercy. Uh, Rick Warren says there's 365 times in the Bible that, that, that God says, do not fear or do not be afraid. That's one for every day of the year. I try to reaffirm that by Googling. I couldn't, but we, let's just trust Rick Warren that he's done some proper research. And, um, and it's, such a, it's such a big commandment because so much of fear, fear of man, fear of the future, fear of stepping out, fear of giving a little bit more, uh, fear of whatever it is, is the thing that is actually going to hold you back from stepping into what God has for you. Don't let fear rule. You have to silence the voice of fear. It's, it's the voice of the enemy that wants to come in and bring you down. And he wants to, he wants to bring you to a place where you are ineffective. That, so God's goal is that you're effective and you're bold and you're courageous and you're carrying his love and you're changing lives. The enemy's plan is that he, he, he makes you doubt everything. He makes you just this fear, fearful little bird. I say follow Jesus because his voice is stronger. And sometimes we need to fight the voices of fear. I've had to do that many times in my life. Fear leads to anxiety, and I love this verse, Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It says, do not be anxious about anything. You present your request to God. The word petition there, if you go look at the Greek, it actually means to aim at a target. So prayers, I think we go up and we pray, but sometimes we need to get into a place of intercession where there's stuff that is coming against you. We need to pray specific prayers that bring down what the enemy's plan is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a gift from heaven. I think it's Psalm 85 that says that peace is a gift. It's, it's, it's for those who are his servants, those who, who give their lives to him, God brings peace. So you may be going through absolute turmoil at the moment in your lives. I don't know what's happening in all of your lives, but we know that we can have peace wherever we are. And this, I believe, is the key. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I believe that the greatest war is always in our minds. 
it's, we, there is stuff that comes against us, but I believe that, that as we, if we, we can build up things in our mind that are way bigger than they actually are, we can create, we can create walls even bef- before you and God, before you and others, because you've, you've thought stuff into being and they've almost become like a fortress around you. And that's where we need to just pray that, that God's love comes and breaks that thing down. And it kills anxiety. Honestly, I'm, I'm after this thing. I honestly believe that as Christians, we're meant to walk in peace and live in peace. Carrying his peace no matter what storm is going on. Can we all stand, please? Can the band come up? Because I think we're just going to sing one last big faithful song. It says, um, right at the end of, of what I read, it says that, the reason why we do all of this is that we're going to spread out to the right and to the left. And we're going to possess nations and we're going to possess cities. God has put callings on all of our lives to bring change, to inflict change on the enemy. And to push the kingdom of light forward and the, dark, the kingdom of darkness back. And it's the moment we just say yes to Jesus. And we get over our fear and we get over our stuff. And I, I'm going to read this end just before we go into a song talking about Jesus the sun is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him just just meditate on that for a second that's Jesus, the God we serve, everything was created in and through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Can we say supremacy? God, for God was pleased to have his, all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross for us, it wasn't just for our sins, it was to reconcile everything back to himself. It was to show that he went down into, uh, into hell and he took back the keys of death and Hades and he began to ascend to heaven and he defeated the enemy. The, the victory cry that we sing and we, we lo- that, we, that we look forward to and we sing into the future is that Jesus has won. Jesus is in charge. He is supreme over all things. And I want to say this morning, as we're going to sing this song, just think of him in that light. Whatever, you, whatever there's maybe a preventing of you walking into what God has for you, just say, Jesus, I know you are supreme over this thing.